Thanks for downloading Scott Harold's podcast. If you use a smart speaker, you can always ask Alexa to enable the SOS radio skill. When you break it down, you think like, okay, was I right about how far we are from this planet to this planet? Was I right on how many years old this earth was, even though I wasn't there and my great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents weren't there? But you know what? Hopefully in the, you know, 60, 70, 80, 100 years that I live on this earth, maybe I can find some purpose. And Jesus is what's going to lead us to that spot, not just an old dusty textbook or a mathematical equation. What have you noticed about purpose and when we want to seek to even start to find purpose? I think that it's the most important conversation we can have with a human being is to answer the two existential questions that people are asking and have been for generations. Who am I and why am I here? And that's why it plays in. It's so important what we're talking about. If we stop at the baseline of an evolutionary process with no rhyme or reason or meaning, then all of us are insignificant. And it really doesn't matter how I treat my neighbor because they just emerged up out of the same, the same soup bowl that I did. And it's the, <laughs> you know, the, it's the battle of the fittest, right? The strongest survive. And I might be stronger than them, so I might knock them off the block. But if God really truly is the originator, then that means every life, every human being, whether it's someone living in a slum in India today or someone living in the richest house in Bel Air, every person has divine meaning and destiny and value woven into their fabric because of who created them. And all this crazy talk right now about us finding our own meaning, us defining our own lives, me deciding who I am, what I am, what my life is about, that does not lead you ultimately to value. It leads you to anxiety. What leads you to value and purpose is origin, who created me. And then I go to that person who created me and I ask them, why did you create me? And God gives us a simple answer to be in a relationship with me. I created you to know me and I created you to reflect my glory to the world. And he gave every one of us, he gave you this incredible gift of being able to talk to people through a microphone where they feel like you're sitting in their car or living room or hospital room. And you make them laugh, you make them cry, you make them feel closer to Jesus. And you do it almost without thinking about it because you have been gifted by God uniquely to do the very thing you're doing right now. But you've chosen not to do it for your glory. You've chosen to do it for the glory of God. So that's purpose in a nutshell. I was made to know God, and that's where my heart fits ultimately, not with a guy, not with a girl, not with a job, not with the bank, not with the purse, not with the, you know, with, with whatever, uh, the accolade. And my purpose in knowing God is so that I can reflect the God I know through the gifts he's given me in my few minutes that I get to spend on planet Earth. We were made to know God. That's the premise that we've been talking about this morning with Louis Giglio. He's a best-selling author. He's a pastor, founder of Passion. You wrote a children's book. We were talking a lot about science and technology and wonder and purpose, but you decided you wanted to break this down for kids. It's called The Wonder of Creation, and it's like 100 more devotionals about God and science, but it's talking about how God created and how there's a purpose behind all these things created because that's not the part that our science classes talk a whole lot about, do they? 
Well, they don't talk about the God who made it all. And I think, you know, kids ask a lot of questions and we can answer some of them, some of them we can't. But we created this series and this is a hundred more devotions because preceding this is a book called How Great Is Our God. And before that was the first in the series called Indescribable. So they're ultimately now 300 daily devotions for kids seven through 11 years old to help them learn something cool about creation and see how that same God who created the world created them and encourages them in whatever it is they're walking through that day. I was reading today in the wonder of creation about what makes us blush. You know, and we all know we blush. Kids know they blush, but they might not know why. And I learned today, Scott, that we're the only animals on earth or only people in the animal world on earth who blush. No other animal blushes but humans. And obviously it's because when we're embarrassed, adrenaline is released and it comes through the capillaries. And, you know, I love it because capillary is a word I know, but for a seven-year-old, we break it down and we put the phonetic spelling in there so they can go capillary. And now they can tell mom and dad, hey, mom and dad, I got capillaries in my face. When the adrenaline burst comes, when I ran into my locker at school, that's what made my face red. And that doesn't happen in any other animal species on earth, but humans. But then at the end of the day, it's like, okay, that's a great fun fact to know. But then to know that God is with you, even when you run into the locker, you make that mistake, or you did that thing where you got kind of caught in the moment that God still is there with you. God loves you. God has a purpose. God has a plan. So yeah, I think it's incredible. It's in really encouraging kids to learn about science, but it's mostly encouraging them that they're amazing because the God who made these amazing things in the world is the same God who made them. We're talking about the relationship between faith and science on SWS Radio with Louis Giglio. He's the founder of Passion and Six Steps Records, and he's a best-selling author. But I remember when I was in an astronomy class in college back in the 90s and had a professor who says, you know, we know the Earth is 4.6 billion years old today, but when I was in college in the 70s, we believed that the Earth was 4.4 billion years old. And now that we have more information now, and I'm like, whoa, 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 hold up. So you're saying you were 200 hundred million years off in your math in just 25 years. I want a more solid science behind that. I mean, what are we doing to hold our mathematical estimations accountable? Yeah, I've met some amazing people. I've had the privilege of meeting one of the most brilliant scientists on earth who's a believer, loves God, at the same time has a different view of science and creation than I do. But I think at the ultimate, you know, when you come to the ultimate part of this conversation, Scott, it's not about how old is the earth? And because I mean, I get hit all the time when I say this galaxy is 36 million light years away and somebody believes the earth 6,000 years old. I just say, hey, let's just live in that tension for a minute because light travels 186,000 miles a second. We can measure how far this light has traveled. That adds up to 36 million years of light years. So let's go with that and not worry about how that reconciles with the genealogy of humanity that we find in scripture because it's not gonna not reconcile at the end of the day. It's gonna all reconcile at the end of the day. We're in a process of discovering the vastness of what God has made. And we maybe can't comprehend all of that down to the fine minutia. But here's the biggest point of all. Science will never answer the question of meaning. And people, I believe, really don't care if the earth is round or flat when it comes right down to it. They want to know, why am I here? 
What is my purpose? Is there purpose? Is there something to live for? Is there something to stay alive for? Is there something to give my energy and my effort to? And is there something beyond this life? Is there something greater than this life? That's the question that most people are way more concerned about than any scientific question that we can pose. And Jesus has the answer to meaning. He also has the answer to science and creation, but he has the answer to meaning. And meaning is what people are looking for today. We're talking about the relationship between faith and science with Louis Giglio today at SWIS Radio, where we find purpose in all of that. He's done doctorate work and graduate work. And I remember in these philosophy and science classes that I had at the state university that I graduated from, and it was there where it sort of clicked that these professors that I had were just asking a million questions, but not actually answering any of those questions about purpose and disruption and how we hold all of the estimations and theories accountable and we just sort of believe these blindly like faith and I think that was a breakthrough for me and Louis what was the point in your life where you started to notice that science wasn't really at odds with faith well I read a book when I was in college called God and the Astronomers it was just a little paperback the last bit of it or either the last bit of the introduction I don't remember maybe just the introduction because I usually wouldn't finish a whole book just said at the very end, I believe all these scientists and atheists are going to crawl over that final ledge of discovery and understanding and find that God has been sitting there all along. And I realized in that moment that there's nothing to fear. If God didn't create the world, then I still have a better life than people who don't believe in Jesus. But if he did, then I don't have to worry about any twists and turns in science. And that's the one thing we've got to remember, Scott, about science. Science changes. Science doesn't say this is the way it is. And 100 years later, it's still that way. We don't operate on people the way we did 200 years ago. We don't understand the brain the way we did two years ago. We don't understand COVID the way we did two months ago. Science is always moving and shifting and changing. It is not a steady state of infallible truths. And so... We are all in this thing together. And the more, you know, I'll tell you really, really fast. I was watching a TV show way before Jimmy Fallon and David Letterman and all those guys. There was a show with Johnny Carson. And I'm watching it as a high school kid. And Carl Sagan was on. And he was smarter than everybody in the world, it seemed like. And Johnny Carson asked him, what happened to the dinosaurs? And he says, well, just before the asteroid hit the earth and destroyed everything and killed off all the dinosaurs, the mice burrowed down into the ground and they survived down underground long enough to reemerge from underground. And then from the mice, all of humanity and civilization has emerged. And I sat there going, wow, I don't feel as bad about going to school tomorrow and telling my friends Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the power of God. We've come a long way from this. And if you listen to SOS on a digital device, then you've probably seen the notification that there's a software update ready to install. These digital innovations help us reach more and more people with the life-changing message of hope found in Jesus. But we also find that they are another thing that costs money to update and support. 
Would you help us financially keep all the systems running that bring SOS to you? Whether it's hardware like a transmitter or software like an app, these things always need to be maintained to keep the message of hope going out to new people. It's easy to support us. Just click on Give Now at the top of SOSradio.net. You can always call 800-804-5452 to give. That's 800-804-5452. And finally, one of the easiest ways to give is found right there inside the SOS Radio app. Thanks. SOS Radio. When we want to understand the relationship between science and faith, we have to understand that a lot of science today is taught from the premise of naturalism. It's this belief that the world was created by purely naturalistic means with no planning behind it or no intervention by a creator. And so when you go into a class and the professor or the teacher is coming from that perspective, that's when you start to ask the questions about purpose. We're talking with Louis Giglio today at SOS Radio. You just wrote a book for kids really talking about where those relationships are and that there is purpose behind what God created, regardless of what you think about faith or science. You know, I think the main thing we're trying to do, especially through the kids devotional series that we've done over the years, the indescribable series, we're just trying to break down that wall and the wall is there for a reason. There was a period of time where science really was leading the charge against faith and against the church. People like Carl Sagan, who, when I was growing up as a teenager, he was one of the most popular people on earth. And he was one of the first people who could translate the language of the cosmos to the common man. But his net, net, net was there is no God, there is no meaning, there is no purpose, there is no creation. And it really did begin to build that wall up. But as I grew in time and started poking around and investigating, there's way more evidence for a creator than there is for evolution. And that's not to say that they're brilliant scientists who love God on both sides of that equation, by the way. But there's as much evidence for creation as there is for any other plausible explanation for why you and I are having this conversation from two parts of America today by the technology that we're using. That stuff doesn't boil up out of the primordial soup. That is the product of design and design points to a designer. And that's a simplified version of it. But I just want kids to know when they're little that God created it all and he's not afraid of science because he is the scientist. And as we get older, I want people to poke around and prepare. When you walk into a university classroom, you're going to have your faith destroyed in about 45 minutes. If you don't anticipate that that's already coming, go listen to some very smart PhD type people who can counter all of those arguments you're gonna get in your literature class, your philosophy class, your biochemistry class. And there are lots and lots of smart people that can help you navigate that. And then when you sit there on day one, Scott, you don't go, oh my goodness, everything I believed in all my life (laughs) isn't true. You go, oh, I was expecting you to say that. And I already know what I believe. We're talking with Louis Giglio today at SWIS Radio. When I say he's a best-selling author, not only is he selling a lot of books, but he writes about a lot of different things. I mean, you write about faith, you write about science, you've written a series of children's books, and you even wrote a book a little while back. It's called Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table, and essentially talking about 
winning the battle over our mind. You know, so often I think we don't even realize that we can take authority over our thoughts. And we just think like, oh, there's neurons firing or I see this and I'm responding to this. But the Apostle Paul says, in your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And that's one side of it. And then the other side of it is almost like the temptations that we see that come into our brain. And if we don't take authority over those things, those things can take root. You know, what is it about taking authority over the brain that we're missing as Americans? Well, A, number one, everyone knows now, I think COVID helped us all catch up that the mental illness crisis is the biggest crisis going on on planet Earth right now, certainly in America. And it's tragic. People's minds are fried. We're trapped in fear and anxiety. That leads to depression and to some serious chemical breakdown. People aren't exercising enough. They don't eat right. They don't sleep right. They're too connected to their phones and their phones are destroying their sense of confidence and faith. And now with COVID, it has just, you know, accelerated all of that factor that has really put us on thin ice. And it's bringing us back to what God has told us from the beginning, which is our lives don't begin with our actions. They begin with our thoughts. Sin doesn't begin with an action. It begins with a thought. Temptation enters our mind, and then it moves down into our heart, and then it moves out into our actions. And so the battle is not out here somewhere. The battle is in between our temples Uh, wherever it is that the thoughts come, the fears come, the temptations come. And that same Paul said that we have the ability to fight a supernatural fight for our mind and that we actually could take every single thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And so in this book, I just talk a lot, Scott, about how either we take the thought captive or the thought takes us captive. Somebody's going to be captive at the end of the day. And so it really is a battle plan. It's a practical step-by-step battle plan for us to say enough is enough. I am not giving this guy a seat at my table any longer. I am not entertaining a conversation with a killer. I'm not getting into a dialogue with a guy who wants to destroy my family. I'm not (laughs) listening to these lies anymore. I'm going to actually absorb God's truth to the degree that I can spot the lie, bind the lie, expel the lie, and then take a step with the truth that God has given me. We're talking about not giving the enemy a seat at our table, but flipping off of that, you actually just wrote a 66-day devotional called At the Table with Jesus, where you're taking a whole nother angle on where we go with that. Isn't that good, though? I think a lot of preaching and a lot of my preaching over the years is, hey, this is what's bad. But really, preaching is supposed to be about more about what's good. And we're supposed to be presenting something to the world that is appealing and it's attractive and jesus is that the epicenter of that message and so at the table with jesus is a 66 day devotional journey every day you'll learn something more something new about jesus not just information but hopefully people will be sitting at the table communing with him talking with him growing in their knowledge of him getting strengthened in their faith in him and i was talking a few months back when No Seat came out, Scott, to a neuroscientist. And they were telling me that, because I thought it took 30 days to create a new habit. I don't know where I picked that up, but I think it's just sort of like, you know, one of those those street thoughts that maybe isn't accurate. (laughs) The neuroscientist said, actually, it's more like 60 something days. She broke it down, explained it. She said, you can create a highway 
a new highway of neurons in your brain if you will focus on a thought for 60 something days we landed on 66 and either negative or positive so if you think the same negative thought about yourself for 66 days you've got a highway now in your mind that that negativity can travel on but if you think a positive thought based on god's word for 66 days the opposite happens and you create new pathways is this crazy wow. new highways in your mind for positive thoughts to travel on for true thoughts to travel on so that's why we landed on 66 days so at the table with jesus 66 days with him learn something different every day see him in a brand new way every single day even though i was working on the book i can't wait to get it in my hand start on day one and take the 66 day journey i know for every one of us who does that we're going to be different people at the end of the day thanks for downloading the sos radio podcast if you enjoy the discussion and want to help the podcast grow you can make a ten dollar donation through sosradio.net or inside the sos radio app thanks for your generosity it helps us experiment with new things and keep the discussions fresh